job. All right, well, good morning. If you've got a Bible, if you'll grab it, please, and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to finish our series. If you're with us for the first time, we are wrapping up a, uh, I'd call it a difficult series. I'm just going to throw it out there uh, on relationships, how it's complicated. Uh, we've talked about some difficult things about why we bother. We've talked about conflict, about words, how they matter. We've talked about forgiveness. And we've talked last week, everybody's favorite, loving our enemies. Okay, thanks for coming back. I didn't know if anybody come back after last week. Just kidding. Uh, so a lot of good stuff. Uh, today we're going to wrap it up, and we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, but before we do so, don't turn there, but I want to remind you of where this all came from. Uh, and I, do, I, I want to read something to you because in John, uh, this whole relationship series came out of the book of John when Jesus in chapter 17 said this, as he prays for his disciples, and then he in turn prays for future believers. That's us. That's you. That's me. People that are going to come after this, he says, my prayer is not for them alone, but I pray for those who are going to believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you and I are one, may they be in us and may they be one, so that they may know, ready for this, that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to, not moderate, not halfway, not three quarters, to complete unity to let the world know that you have loved them even though you love me. Now, text today, but I want you to hear that of what this is all about. You're going to hear about unity. We're going to look at the church. Paul's going to talk about how we are worthy of the calling, but here's the thing. Don't take my word for it. This whole heartbeat behind this whole series was that we as a church have to get this right. That was really emphatic, wasn't it? That was pretty impressive. Before we stand, I'm going to tell you something. I had a conversation with somebody that's a part of our church that said, we got to get this right. We can't expect anybody to come to this church, to grow in this church, to mature, to do these things. We've got to, we've got to work on this. We've got to get better. Our relationship, we've got to do this. We've got to do the things that the Lord to do. And I said, I know, it's hard. That's why we're talking about it. So I pray, as we wrap this thing up, I'm going to ask you to stand now. I'll read our text in Ephesians chapter 4 about growing up together. The Apostle Paul is going to have a parental conversation, okay? He's going to basically charge the people. It's time to mature. It's time to grow up, and we have a role within the body. It's kind of fascinating how all that goes together. So uh, read along with me. It'll be on the old Sky Bible if you want to read there, if you forgot yours. Uh, but hopefully you'll read along. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to go 1 through 16. As a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body. One spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he descended to the lowly earthly regions? Verse 10. He who descended is the very one who ascended to, the, to higher than the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he, 
Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and to be teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach all unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there with every kind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking truth and love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Jesus Christ. From him, the whole body is joined together. It grows and it builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Let's pray together. Lengthy text. We're going to go quick today, but if you would, um, I know I did it earlier, but I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and just kind of take a deep breath um, and now be intentional and focused about this time. Um, if you're like me, there's a lot going on. I'm just full disclosure. I got a sick kid. My wife's taking her to the doctor right now, so I've got a lot. My mind's kind of all over the place. And maybe, maybe there's stuff in your life. Maybe there's relationships. Maybe, maybe your, 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 your stomach's growling because we got lunch afterwards. Maybe there's simple or complex things going on. But if your heart's desire is and to hear and to be changed today, would you ask God to do that? And whatever that is, I'm talking to myself too, that we could put it to the margins and just receive whatever he has for us. If that's your desire, he will honor that. If that's your desire, and ask him to part today. Father, you've heard your people, and uh, we got a lot going on today, Father, but we thank you for this time and space. I thank you for the words that have been prepared to speak today, and uh, Father, I pray that you would help what I say make sense. I can't change anybody. I say that every week. I can't change anybody in this room, but you can. If hearts that are willing and receptive to change and to be open to submit to you. May this text be clear. May my words be clear. But more than that, may your spirit be thick and present in this room and to change us as your people that we might live in the complexity of these relationships to be the church and the people you called us to be. We ask your help in that. In the great name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. All right, we've got a lot to cover, but I want you to stay with me. We're going to jump right into it in chapter 4. I told you there's some parental language here. If your parents in the room, you understand this, that you're raising your kids, the majority of their life, they're not going to live in your house. The majority of their life, they're going to live apart from you. So we have this little window in space to do everything we can that's going to go quickly to try to help them grow up. And this is who we want you to be and how to live and to prioritize, prioritize, that's made up a word, prioritize so that not if, but when you leave, or eventually we kick you out, you leave, that you can live in matureness and grow up as you're supposed to be. Paul has this pastor, but also this parental language here today. He's not saying, guys, grow up. He's not, he's not trying to degrade them. He's talking to them as a dad saying, it's time to mature. Be who you're supposed to be. Be who you can be. He is writing this from a jail cell. Let's jump right into it. Verse 1. He's a prisoner of the Lord. Verse 1. He says, as a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now, this is what I talked about. Paul is not saying, if it's not too much trouble, 
Hey, David, when life's pretty good for you. Now, we're going to get to relationships in just a minute. It is fascinating. If you, I, I'm just going to say this. It is fascinating in this text and throughout this whole thing where it talks about unity, do what you're supposed to do, and he weaves it seamlessly into the body as if to say before and after this text, you can't be the church, you can't be the arm, the leg, the hand, the foot. That's what Romans says. You can't be the body unless you're unified, right? We can't. We can't be the church when there's relationships that are splintered, when there's hatred and discord and unforgiveness and conflict. It all abounds. So Paul is sitting in a jail cell, and he's writing to these people. He's pleading with them. He says, I urge you. I'm, I'm pleading. I'm begging you to live a life worthy. Now, kids in the children's it means what? It means balance. He's asking them that their lives shouldn't have balance that redeemed, adopted sons and daughters of Jesus, we should live desperately wants the church. If Christ dwells in your heart that you have experienced, now if you get bored in this sermon, you can flip back to chapter 3 because he just got through talking about, I want you to know the depth and the height and the width. I want you to know all the love of God, but he doesn't stop there. He does that, but he says, and by the way, I'm pleading with you to grow up. I'm begging you, do live a life worthy of the calling. Now, here's the thing, church. Look around me. I know there's a lot going, but right off the bat, does your life balance? Is your life marked by being worthy? If Jesus Christ looked you dead in the face and, 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 and examined your soul, would our life be in balance? Sometimes it's not. You know why? I'm glad you asked. Sometimes, think of the things we talked about. You don't want to handle conflict. You don't want to forgive. You refuse to if you don't want to have conversations, you want to live in disobedience, don't want to do those things. So our lives, kids, get out of balance. And Jesus is pleading, excuse me, Paul is pleading with his church, I'm asking to live your life worthy. It means balance. He, he's challenged them on how to live. And look at verse 2. He says, be moderately humble. Right? He says, be halfway. No, he says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bear one another in love. Make every effort to keep or to maintain the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Paul is asking, excuse me, he is pleading and challenging and admonishing them to say, be completely humble and gentle. Now, verse 2, if you're looking for basically a, a marker verse to say, how do I do this? What do I do? What, what a theme verse for this whole series. You have a difficult time with relationships, forgiveness, conflict, the words that come out of your mouth, maintaining unity in the church. Let verse 2 be your, your motto, if you will. Just we're, we're, This is what we're supposed to be. Humble, gentle, patient. Kind of sounds like the fruits of the Spirit. Bearing with one another in love. And notice in verse 3 when he says, make every effort. It takes work. Anybody's relationships take work? My wife's not here, but she would be the first one to tell you that marriage takes work. Being married to me takes work. She's going to amen that later. It takes work. You think your marriage is going to make it if you don't put work into it? You think relationships in the church are going to make it if you don't put work in? That's what he's saying. We don't just step back and say, God, I want to do these things. I want to, I want to be unified. I want to forgive. No, you've got to put the effort into it. We've got to do stuff. 
We got to step into the relationships and ask for forgiveness and, and be humble and gentle and bearing with one another in love. I love verse three, but did you notice what he says? He doesn't say, You create the unity. What does he say? Maintain it, keep it. Can I tell you something this morning? Look right here. Your job is not to create unity. Did you not? Let me just let you take a deep breath. Your job is not to do it. Jesus does that. Jesus brought unity between you and God because you're an enemy of his, and then he forgave you by the cross. But here's the thing. In your relationships, in the body, in the church, let me, let me just let you off the hook. It is not your job to create unity. There you go. All right. Amen. We're done? What is your job? What is my job? It's to maintain it. It's to keep it. It's to put the work in. It means when relationships aren't good, you don't turn your back and say, that ain't on me. When you say, there is bitterness and discord and unforgiveness and conflict, that ain't on me. Yes, it is. It is on us to step in and to be humble enough to step in, be gentle enough to be kind, be patient with others when we need to be. We bear with one another means we overlook offenses, we forgive, and we do all of this stuff. Why? Church, here, the body of Christ has been purchased by his blood. We're unified. Jesus has desires for unity, and we are caretakers of that. Can I just put it that way? Like, we're stewards of that. The church is no doubt unified in Christ, but our job is to maintain it. But flip it over. Our job can also, if we're not careful, we can be the one to splinter it, to bring factions, divisions, discord, and we can splinter the church if we're not willing, verse 2, to be. Does that make sense? What if somebody said no right then? That'd be awkward. <laughs> there says, no, pastor, doesn't make sense. Could you start? I'm just kidding. So we maintain it. We keep it. We don't create it. So what does that look like? I think of sports. I love sports. I did them a long time ago. But I think of sports. It's like trying to have a sport or a hobby and think, man, I want to be good. I don't want to practice, but I want to be really good. I'm not going to work out. I really want to run a marathon, but I don't think it doesn't work that way. You've got to put the effort. You have to practice. You, de- you never achieve potential or get better if you're not willing to put the work in. So if our, if our lives are marked by the opposite of those two, if they're marked more by pride, by hostility, more by impatience, more by not loving, maybe, maybe just maybe, our lives are not worthy. They're not in balance. But I looked at those kids and I told them, I said, hey, what should we do? They didn't really know. Well, that was probably on me. <laughs> but what are you going to do? Because you can hear my words this morning, and if you're like me, there's times when my life is not worthy. I don't think anybody in this room, hear me, is not going to say, my life, Pastor, I live worthy of the gospel all the time. I'm pretty awesome. So what do you do when your life is out of balance? It's not worthy. When Jesus Christ looked at you, or looks at us, and, and, and our lives are not bringing joy or glory or anything positive to him, our lives are basically hurting the unity of the body, what do we do? You do what I had somebody tell me last week when we're, look, when we're talking about forgiving our enemies. Can I, can I tell you something this morning? A conversation to have with somebody else that, that in this service last week talking about forgiving your enemies. This person told me I couldn't even do it. I had to repent first. I had to tell the Lord that I'm sorry because I can't even get to that point because of, of, of my refusal and the things that I'm not bringing to the table here. Church, that's all of us. When our lives are out of balance, we need to say, God, I am, I'm sorry. 
I care more about myself in those moments than you. I care more about me being right or not having to deal with these things. My life is not balanced. We repent and we come clean before the Lord. This unity, this one spirit, one body, one hope, the Trinity is brought here. I love how Paul Tripp says it. It's on the, on the screen. I like quotes and, and it kind of helps me, but Paul Tripp puts it this way. Paul grounds our unity in the body in the unity of the Trinity. Not in our ability to get along. Whew, there you go. We get along because Father, Son, and Spirit have allowed us to do so. We can give because we've been given grace. Jesus humbled himself. The Father gently and patiently works out our salvation. The Holy Spirit forbears and abides with us even in the face of our sin. He convicts us, but never condemning. This kind of relational integrity is a high call. God who commands it provides us with everything we need to fulfill it. So when I'm talking to you about unity, I'm talking to you about living a life that is worthy, He has equipped you and given you everything you need. I said this a couple of weeks ago when I talked about, com- I think it was conflict, I, can't, I think so, when I said we got to get this right because there's something bigger going on here. It's bigger than just showing up on Wednesdays and doing church and Sunday morning doing church. We are establishing the kingdom of God on this earth, that we are here on purpose. You're not here just to come and listen to a couple of songs and let's listen to the preacher get excited about some stuff, not really going to buy into it, but I want to hear it, I'm going to go eat a meal, I'm going to go back to life. That's not what we're here for. If you're a follower of Jesus, then, then, then track in with this because you are a part of God's team, if you will. We're a part of something bigger, of establishing the kingdom of God on this earth to win souls for Jesus. And it's eventually going to be over. All the things we put a lot of focus on, all of it's going to fall to the wayside. None of it's going to matter in the big scheme of things. But we're supposed to be a part of establishing the ambassadors, the, the, the outpost of heaven on earth is what this church is supposed to be in reaching the, for the kingdom of God. So it's a big deal. And so what he's going to do here is he's going to turn quickly, it's really fascinating, quickly from, hey, do what you got to do, do what you got to do, do what you got to do. And then he's going to start talking about the church and the body and the roles and all these things. Look at verse 7. He says, but each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. How we handle relationships is a big deal been given grace. We've been given gifts. We've been given abilities. We've been given skills, not to make much of yourself. You're awesome, but to build up the body and help people come to Christ, come to salvation. Now look at verse 8. It seems a little weird, but I'm just going to throw it out there. Look at what he says. This is what it says when basically Paul is going to quote Psalm 60, 68. When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave them gifts. And he said, what does he mean he ascended except that he descended to the lowly earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than the heavens in order to fulfill fill the whole universe. Excuse me. So Christ, this is not exhaustive, but he's given roles. He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, etc. Go on and on and on and on to equip people for works of service. Why? So that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and became mature, attaining the whole measure of Christ. Now, 
Here's the thing, before we move quickly. A lot of people look at that and think, that's the pastor's verse. That's your job, preacher. It is. That's part of it. This is not exhaustive. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're in the game, okay? There's no bench warm. I don't care if you're a high school kid or a junior high kid. If you know Jesus, you're in the game. You've got a role to do. He says he's equipped all of us. And the weird part of our set is he, he talks about being led captives and in, 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 in this thing. And it's really fascinating because in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, this will be on the screen. Paul talks about this again, and then I'll explain it. Paul says this. Look at this. It's kind of cool. He says, but thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. Now, fascinating military terminology after a decisive battle, especially in the old in biblical times, they would march prisoners, those in the souls of war of gold and money, anything visible to basically show off. They'd march through a town, and in the back, I talked about this in Corinthians years ago, in, in the whole trail behind them would be all the spoils, but also the captives, those who were captive, held captive by the victor. The king would be out front. You see the imagery here? Paul is using this multiple times throughout the New Testament that Jesus leads his people as our conquering king. He's equipped us with gifts and abilities, and we all follow in the triumphal procession. He has conquered death. He has conquered sin. He has conquered Satan. And now he has given gifts to those in his following. Why? Well, Paul said in Corinthians to spread the aroma and the knowledge of Jesus. He talked about it in Ephesians. He talked about, hey, in order that we might have active service until we reach unity and, 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 and using our gifts to let people know. I'm not going to do it, but it'd be kind of awkward if I said, I'm not going to do it, so don't do it. If I said, raise your hand if you're a Christian. I'm not going to do that. That's weird. But if that's you, game on. If that's, if that's you, then it's, it's time to buy in to what is being called of you. He has equipped us, he has empowered us, and the things that we are part of in this life are not just to build us up. Now look at 11 through 13. It's a monster text. He says, together the church we can experience the fullness of Christ, and he expresses fullness to build up the body. Look at 11 through 13. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip people for works of service. As a pastor, that's my job. That's what we're supposed to do as a church is to equip people so that the body of Christ may be built up. Look at 13 again. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I'm going to say this to you. I want you to hear me. Listen, I want you to hear me. That you cannot be, we cannot be what God has called us apart from the body. You cannot reach full measure of Jesus in your life apart from being in the past. You see, what I just did is I just blew up anybody out there that would say, I don't need the church. I got it. I'm good. Paul says that until we reach the unity in the faith, becoming mature, complete, the whole measure, the fullness, this maturation process, it's a part of the gifts and the ability. That's the fullness. We can't be what we're supposed to be without being a part of the body. As if to say, being a part of the church is not just about us. It's about Him. 
And the way that we live our lives, this may sting a little bit, but the way that we live our lives outside of this place matters. How we live, how we are ambassadors, how we speak, how we handle conflict, how we forgive, how we love, stay with me, it matters. Because nobody, nobody's going to want to be a part of a church if everybody's like this. Are you with me this morning? Nobody wants to do that. I'm the pastor of the church, and I would want to be a part of a church when everybody's like this. I put in my notes here so I won't change it. So what, what I put in here is what, what that means, sorry, I can't speak, that what we do on the Fridays and the Saturdays and the other days of the week, they matter. How we live our lives, it matters. How we speak, it matters. How we handle conflict, it matters. Paul's not trying to be condescending. He's trying to get these people to understand. Kind of like me this morning. I can speak as loud and hard and whatever. I can do the, be as passionate as I can, but I can't make people want it. I can't make you care. I can't. As we function as the body, being unified and building up the church, People notice. People want to be a part of that church. Because what happens in verse 14? Look at 14. This is what happens if we don't. Because the then in verse 14, in light of all this, if we can do what God's called us, if we can be and mature and grow and be, then what he says, this is going to happen. If not, the opposite. He says, then we're not going to be like little babies anymore. We're not going to be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown about from every kind of teaching and cunningness and crafting of men. He's saying, we're not going to be gullible. We're not going to be pulled in and swayed by the, these, these other things of the world. He said, we're going to be able to truth and love. Look at verse 15. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. From Jesus, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love. Comma, what does it say right there? <laughs> As each part does its work. See, you look at this right here, and this, if you took it off, if it builds itself up in love, that's great. But do you see the responsibility? Paul brings it right back full circle. Early when I said, don't do it, but raise your hand if you're a follower, that's it. As each part does its work, we got work to do. We got, we got stuff to do. We got things to do. All this, it happens as we do our part. So that's what it says. So all of these things we've talked about, conflict, relationships, forgiveness, unity, all these things, as we do our part, we've got to do everything we can to maintain the unity of the body. I hope you feel that urgency today. He's not saying quit being a baby. He's saying, I want you to grow. I'm eager for you to experience these things. Just like a parent wants their kids to experience things in life and mature and grow and become who they're supposed to be. I'm going to close with this. and I'm going to read to you. Uh, you don't have to turn it, but you want to. It'll be on the screen. In Ephesians chapter 4, right after where I just finished, I told you earlier, it's fascinating when Paul talks about all this stuff and then he goes right back into it. I'm going to read 17 to 32 for you. After he says this, I'm praying for 
experience the, the depth, heights, and the widths of love in chapter 3, verse, and then all today's text in verse 4. I, I want you to live your life worthy of the calling. I want you to do every, make every effort to build unity. I want you to know you have a job to do. You're in the, you're in the, the, the triumphal procession of Jesus. You've got a job to do to build up the kingdom and, and establish that and maintain the unity. It's game on. Let's go. And then right after that, verse 17, he's going to talk about how we're supposed to live. And I'm going to read it to you because it's too good. And then we'll be done. He says, so, so I tell you this, and I insist on it. Parents, you ever said that to your kids? I'm telling you this, and I'm listening to me. I just growled a little bit. I tell you this, and I'm insisting on it, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, those not of the faith yet. In the futility of their thinking, they were darkened in their understanding and separated from life of God because of their ignorance that was in them due to the hardening of their hearts. They've lost all sensitivity, and they have given themselves over to sensuality, so and to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You... You didn't, you didn't come to know Christ that way. Let me say that again, verse 20. You, you didn't come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to the former way of life, David, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its evil desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you, each of you who claims to know me, each of you who follow me, you're to put off falsehood, fight the lies, speak truthfully to his neighbor for all members of his body. Look at the behavioral stuff. In your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry. Don't give the devil a foothold. And he goes on. And he go, he, look, in verse 28, he says, if you've been stealing, stop stealing. Verse 29, he says, hey, if you're speaking unwholesomely, stop doing it. But only speak what's useful for building others up, that it, that it may benefit those who listen. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed. Verse 31, get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander and malice. Verse 32, be kind, compassionate, forgiving one another, just as you've been forgiven. It's fascinating. It's fascinating, and I'm done. One more. That the individual role as followers in the body, it's all linked together. How we live matters. Paul Tripp says this, and this is the last thing I want you to think about before we're done. I'm going to pray and we'll be done. Every day, in your relationships, you are pursuing one of two plans, yours or God's. The plan you follow will shape your responses to everything you face in every relationship. Let me, if you could break this whole thing down, whole thing down. I don't care if you're a junior high, high kid. Every day we're faced with doing God's plan or our plan. So rather than self-indulgent, maybe we are driven by wisdom and his purposes. Maybe driven by, instead of being driven by deceit, we want to, <laughs> we're living this life-changing message of the gospel. Rather than stewing in our anger, we practice gentleness and love. And rather than being selfish, we serve other people. Rather than using words selfishly, we use our words to build people up. Rather than being divisive, maybe we can do whatever it takes to unify the body. Or rather than harboring unforgiveness, we can forgive because we've been forgiven. To be what God has called us to be as a church, we must first be who God has called us to be. 
Let me say that again. To be what God has called us to be as a church, we must first be who God desires us to be. That is the urgency. That is why relationships matter. That's why all of this, though it's complicated, it matters. Let's pray together. The invitation is verse 2 today. I want you to examine your life, not somebody else's, not anybody around you, but is your life being lived worthy of the calling on you? Is it in balance? If so, great. If it's not, ask that you repent and ask God to work in your life. If there are areas of your life, you can repent and ask God to help you with those. Just like I told the kids. Hear the heartbeat of what's going on here. God, we got to get this right. I've got to get my relationships right. Help me to do my part to maintain, to keep the unity in the body. Because it matters. I'm going to ask you to stand as I pray. Father, we thank you for the day. Above all, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you that we are redeemed and rescued in our sin by you. And because of that, we've got a job to do. Relationships can be messy. Life can get complicated. If we don't know you, then that's, that's on us. But if we do know you and claim to follow you, we are in the triumphal procession, hopefully giving off a pleasing aroma, drawing people into the kingdom, drawing people to come to know you by our life, by our words, by our relationships, by our and if that's not happening, may we repent in the areas that we fall short. I ask for that in my life, in those, mo- in those moments, not, not if, but when those moments happen and my life's out of balance, I ask you to help me, forgive me for those things. Help us to be the church that you want us to be. Because then you will draw men to yourself. We thank you in Jesus we pray. Amen. Let's sing this invitation.